Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hi, everybody. This is Tara Lynn, and I am here with Kristen Jensen. She is a number one bestselling author of Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, which is a which are books written about talking about pornography to children, which is I have these books in my own home and I love them. I mean, I have actually been a fan of hers for years, so I am so thrilled to have her here. She is also the executive producer of Brain Defense, which is a digital safety curriculum and she's the founder of defendyoungminds.com. So she has, and she has several other amazing things that she's in, but Kristen, thank you so much for being here today with us to talk about such an important subject and to make it easy. The cool thing about Kristen is she just makes this subject that could be kind of hard to talk about. She makes it so easy. So thank you, Kristen, for being here. Carolyn, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. It's all about being easy because if it's hard, we will put it off. <laughs> we yes. will procrastinate. Exactly. But if it's easy, we can overcome our inhibitions and we can just get going and do it, get it, get the job done. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, this topic, I mean, for those of you, those of you who are listening, I want you to just be okay with, if you're feeling a little bit of discomfort right now, it's okay. Just like we talk all the time. It's okay. Just lean into it and allow yourself to hear what Kristen has to say, because if you can allow yourself to sit in an uncomfortable, uncomfortable topic, you'll be able to be empowered for yourself and for your children. And you'll be able to keep all of you. Um, you'll be able to create a haven of safety, hopefully, and be able to, when there are things that are not safe that come into your life, you'll be able to deal with them in a really healthy way. A lot of us just have fear around this topic. And so we, we don't do the steps to help protect our children, to defend them. And then when we do have issues, when it comes in, we just react with shame and fear. And those are obviously not helpful. So Kristen here is going to give us so many tips just to allow us to go through this topic and come out on the other side, feeling empowered and hopefully remove some of the, um, the shame that comes around it. And for me in my own home, I feel like the whole topic of, well, the whole topic of sexuality in general, but specifically the topic of pornography and any objectification of others. For me, the key to it is just, you do make it comfortable, right? It's not something mm-hmm. that you can talk about one time and become right. like this charged issue. It's just something you can, you make it easy. And Kristen's really going to help us in this conversation with ourselves, <laughs> make it easy. So Kristen, tell me first, I would like to know everything I have read about you and in conversations with you, I am in awe of how this has become kind of a a calling for you. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us why, why have you, why have you dedicated your life to teaching parents about defending their children and educating them about pornography? Well, thanks, Carolyn. I I, you know, I didn't come to this in maybe what you would think is a normal way. You know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a child psychologist. You know, I was a mom and I had a few degrees, but 
nothing really in this area, but I was a mom. I knew about this problem. And uh, one day I met a, a new mom. We had moved to a new town and um, she called me up one night and told me about this horrendous experience that her family had had where they found out that their oldest son uh, was sexually molesting his younger brothers and sisters. So from the 14 year old, all the way down to the four-year-old and pornography was a part of this and the fallout with this family, it was just horrendous. And I woke up the next morning after talking to her, like till the wee hours of the morning, I woke up the next morning with this kind of thought that just wouldn't go away. It was, you know, how do you warn the young children about pornography? Uh, Because apparently they need to be warned. They're getting into trouble and they're seeing this material and it's having a very negative impact on them. And so what do you do? So I thought, well, I'll just go on the internet and I'll do a search and I'll find a book for her because I have this thought that, you know, I have this belief that there's a book for every problem and usually several. So I thought, I'll just find a book that I can give to her. And I was just curious, like, how are people dealing with this issue? So I looked and looked and looked. I could not find any books uh, for children about the problem of pornography and what they should do. As I looked more and more, I just was stunned because I knew this is a big problem, but why isn't there any resource out there for parents to use to educate and empower and and mentor their young children in this digital age. So that's how I got started. I just had this idea that wouldn't go away. And I just did some more research and I thought, this isn't rocket science. I mean, you can boil this down for a seven-year-old and arm them with knowledge and with some skills uh, so that they know exactly what to do. And so that's what I did it, but it took three years because wrote the book. I had a lot of help from other experts, you know, but it took three years to get it written, um, illustrated and published. Um, And that was back in 2014. So seven years ago when we've made multiple updates and a second edition. And, um, and then of course I wrote junior because people asked me for it. They wanted kids younger than seven to be also warned because, uh, and I remember the first time a mom asked me this, I felt like she'd like punch me in the gut. Like what you want something for preschoolers. Um, but as I looked around, guess what? Every three-year-old is on an iPad and I could see the value in a gentle warning for these children too. So they're not caught off guard. They know exactly what to do. And So that's how it got started. And I just, you know, I was going to just write the book and then go get a job, (laughs) a real job. Uh, I write, I'm a techno, I've done technical writing and, and training development uh, for corporations. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go back and get a job. And it was my husband that was just like, just give it, you know, once we got the book, just give it one more year, just go out there and get it out there and one more year. And then one year turned to two and three and four. And so, yeah, it's become my, my life's 
work and mission and um, to really help parents start this conversation in an easy and comfortable way. And if you go on Amazon and you look at the reviews, you'll see that that's a theme over and over again. It wasn't awkward. I actually was interviewed by a a Wall Street Journal reporter last spring, and she went ahead and read the books and then wrote back to me and said, it wasn't awkward at all. Like just shocked, you know? And uh, so this, that's just how I got started. Mm -hmm. I love the story because you're a woman after my own heart. For me, I always, am looking for answers in a book, (laughs) right? I think, yeah, somebody, somebody I'm sure has written about this. And so when there's not, when there's a kind of a hole in the field, I'm so happy that you just met, you, you saw that need and you met it. It was perfect timing for my kids when it came out. And my, my children were really, really young. And I have done a lot of work with, uh, organizations that save children from human trafficking. And so, Mm -hmm. I mean, my kids, when I started into that charity work, I think my oldest was maybe five. And for the first time I was, and, and the, I mean, human trafficking and pornography go hand in hand. And Absolutely. the first time I was like, oh, I need, what can I do to protect my kids? And yeah, somebody recommended your books and I loved it. I have several copies of the junior and the regular version because anytime people ask me, I just say, here's a book, actually just read it to your child. <laughs> <laughs> and it's wonderful because then it just, it just, you literally have the conversation for you. Like you just do the conversation. It's like, for it's a script. And then you can, of course, embellish the script. We all do that when we read books to our kids, you know, we'll embellish things, we'll talk about little things, we'll have little side conversations. And so this is just a basic script that makes it really easy, really comfortable. Uh, It's all accurate information. And, you know, it's your, your kid is not going to be the one that's like freaking out. It's you because you've got all this, you know, all this baggage, you know, all these thoughts about what pornography is in your mind. Well, you're not going to empty that into your child's brain. You're just going to give them um, really three things to begin with. And that is uh, a definition, a warning, and a plan. And both the books give those very important, um, you know, weapons actually arm armament to your child. So you need to define what pornography is, or if you don't want to use the word pornography with the junior book, we say you can just use bad pictures. Um, and then, you know, why is it harmful? You know, why should I be concerned about it? And then what should I do when I see it? A plan. So a definition, a warning and a plan. And every child that has that is going to be it's really going to have a bigger choice when it comes to pornography. They're going to know they have a choice instead of just getting sucked in by their curiosity. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's something that I think us as humans, when we have a plan, we know what's happening and we have a plan. Things always feel so much better and so much less scary Then, yeah, of course, when you, I mean, the concept of pornography in our brains, our brains are designed to be curious about it. So if they don't even know what it is to start with, of course, yeah, you know, I don't know what to do. Yeah. One of my favorite stories, uh, I saw this posted in a Facebook post uh, a few years ago, and it was a mom who had read good pictures, bad pictures to her nine-year-old son. Uh, Three days later, he was at school and a classmate, you know, out on the 
schoolyard, a playground, came up to him with the phone and showed him pornography. And he recognized it because he had had a definition, right? He recognized it. He understood what he needed to do. And he turned away and he was able to go home and tell his mom. And he said, I was scared, but I knew what to do. That is such a gift. I was scared, but I knew what to do. And if we can give our kids that gift, the gift of knowing what to do in a scary situation, in a new situation, then we are giving them some of the tools they need to thrive in the digital age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that story so much. It's filled with so much hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's beautiful. Can you tell me one of my favorite of your stories is um, the story of mother had read your books to her son and he was over at his friend's house and there was a worker in the basement that showed him. Prog- oh showed yeah. Him I yes. <laughs> so this is really to illustrate that children who are warned about pornography early are also safer from sexual abuse of all kinds. So from being groomed by a predator, if they can recognize because predators use pornography to groom children, it, mm-hmm. to desensitize them, to show them what they want the kid to do, um, all of this. So if your child, child, if your child can recognize pornography and reject it and know exactly what to do, they're going to be safer from a hands-on perpetrator. So what happened was this family was invited over to some friend's home, a friend's home for dinner. And so they came over and they were doing a little remodeling upstairs where they usually kept the toys. So they had put the toys downstairs in the basement, just right close to the stairway. And the kids were allowed to go down there, grab a toy and come back up. So this little six-year-old boy was down there and looking, you know, for a toy. And I can just imagine that he's kind of looking and trying to figure out like which toy, you know, he wants to pick. And while he's doing that, a man comes up to him with a, uh, a phone and shows him gay pornography on the phone. And he said, this is really fun. And um, Well, the child immediately recognized that this was pornography. His mom had taught him, had read him good pictures, bad pictures. And he went immediately up and he told his mom what had happened. Now, what if he'd not been clued in? What if he had been caught off guard? He might have thought that this was a normal thing to do. Kids tend to trust adults. And so he might have been trusting. The man might have given him you know, some can't, who knows, but he nipped it in the bud. And I'm pretty sure that dinner was kind of called off very quickly. (laughs) And I don't know what the aftermath was, but I do know that that child was in essence, given digital self-defense skills. Mm -hmm. He knew what to do. He knew why he should do it. And he knew who to talk to, who was safe to talk to so that he could protect himself and defend himself. Mm -hmm. I love that story so much because I feel like sometimes when we talk about pornography, there is just a lot of fear and stories like that to me are just empowering. They're just these stories of hope that these conversations are important and they 
they can make a huge difference. I mean, having somebody show you pornography is one thing, right? And sadly, a lot of children are going to have somebody or it's going to pop up on their screen or whatever. Um, I mean, hopefully not in your own home. I hope you have, you know, there's, there's ways we can, we can make our devices a lot more safe, but even with all those things, I mean, the chances of them seeing it is pretty high, but I love it because you, by talking to them, by that little boy, knowing what to do, it stopped it from being just a, Oh, wow. That was kind of weird to see to what could have been a really traumatic involving physical sexual abuse, which is a whole nother layer of trauma. Right. So I really love it because it just is so empowering. Oh, so beautiful. So stories you just shared of young children. So can you tell us when we're talking about the idea of pornography with our kids, what do you think is the best age to start? And when I say talk about it, because it's not just a one-time conversation, but when should we start opening this conversation and maybe reading these books to them? Yeah. Well, I would say it's not a specific age, but it's when your child has any access to the internet, whether it's in your own home, in a grandparent's home, at a friend's home, whenever they have any access to the internet via mobile device, especially, that's when you need to begin the conversation. I mean, when your child is starting to walk and is able to run out into the street, that's, you know, you're like, okay, there's a danger that you're able to get into. And I need to warn you, stop at the curb, wait for mommy, and we'll, you know, hold hands as we walk across the street and look both ways. And, you know, before we let them do it by themselves, we teach them, you know, look both ways, listen, see and be seen, you know, all these little rules so that they know how to cross the street uh, when, you know, safely. So when they're really little, uh, that's why we wrote good pictures, bad pictures, junior. And I would, I've read it to my grandson since he was two. Mm. Um, and now he's three. I just read it to him again recently. Um, he loves looking for the little hidden cameras and finding them on almost every page. And the kids really have fun with that. And Um, it keeps them engaged in the book and they're getting those messages. You know, there's nothing when they're not going to lose their innocence. If we teach them how to stay safe, in fact, they will be able to defend their innocence so much more Mm -hmm. than if they're just completely clueless, Mm -hmm. Uh, they'll get sucked in by the curiosity Uh, And they won't have a chance. Now, I'm not saying that every single child will always do exactly. I don't know about your kids, but my kids did not always do exactly everything I told them to do. But um, they'll have more of a choice. They'll have more of an understanding of, you know, why, why we're doing this, why we don't want to look at those pictures and what it can do to your brain, which you know, in the junior book, we don't really talk so much about that. But in the in the original book, we talk about um, the, the two brains and how an addiction begins and how you can become addicted to looking at these pictures and the damage it can do. So kids of all age, as soon as they have access to the internet, they need to be warned about the dangers of the internet, just like we do in the physical world warn them about the dangers on the road in front 
um, we're going to warn them about the dangers of the, you know, internet superhighway. Mm-hmm. And I like that you say, I mean, cause there are filters like on your web on, on your website, defendyoungminds.com. There's a lot of great information about specific tools you can use like covenant eyes and bark. And I mean, we have all those things for at, in our house, but I like that you said, even if they have access to things outside of your house, because, yeah. um, I mean, just my own issues, my next door neighbor in when my kids were little tiny and she was appalled. I mean, they were just, they were watching YouTube on the TV and it was Dora the Explorer and within like, you know, just shows come up after it mm-hmm. three shows. Luckily she was in the room, but something popped up and it was like a cartoon pornography kind of thing. And she luckily, she heard it. She's like, what is happening? She went and turned it off. But I mean, that's just with a mother in the house, they were on YouTube and it was a house that my kids played at. I mean, I kind of, I have a problem with YouTube myself. So my kids don't even get it. Yeah. Don't go, don't let your kids go on YouTube. Uh, YouTube kids, the, the app is, is, has some issues, but much safer for kids. But I'm just saying that's an example of like, my kids didn't even have access at my house to any kind of technology at that age of their life. I mean, they didn't have like no tablets, no nothing, but still at a house with a really, it was a conscientious house and my kids weren't actually there for it. She just told me after she was like, can you believe this? And I was like, get off of YouTube. (laughs) But what I'm saying is you don't know, I mean, you don't know what's in every single house. So I love it because you really focus on the idea of an internal filter. We have these, filters, but the idea is we have an internal filter. Yes. The idea of bringing it up without shame and I just love, I love the idea because it makes them feel like they don't have to hide it. And, oh, I don't know. I just right. love it. They're that. not, one of the lines in the junior book is, you know, even if you see something bad, that doesn't make you, a, you know, if you see something bad, that doesn't make you a bad kid. Mm. Here's something good you can do. If you see a bad picture, you know, turn, run and tell. And so we want to be definitely not shaming. And I say, uh, I say pornography is shameful but it's not shameful to talk about it and warn our kids about it. That's definitely not shameful. Nor is it shameful to even feel inside of yourself that you're interested in it when some yeah. kid sees it. Cause and we mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned that because we're, we're real, we're scientific. And we say sometimes it can be, sometimes pornography can feel like the pull of a giant magnet, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but here's the problem. You know, if you let yourself, you know, go and be pulled in, here are the problems. And this is why we want to keep your brain, your one precious brain mm-hmm. safe and, and help you defend that one precious brain from, you know, the, really the poison uh, of the porn industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love, these are words from your website, but it says an internal filter is built by persuasion, love, education, and example. An external filter won't speak to the heart and soul mind of your child, but an internal filter gives your child the reasons to reject pornography whenever they're confronted with it. And I think it's, I love the idea of we have the external things. Like for example, my daughter on her phone, she doesn't even have Safari actually. It's just texting and her camera and Mm -hmm. which I know even that we have to have conversations about, right? Sure. Sure. Camera and you have the texting ability, Um, but no social media, no, no internet of any kind. But those are just external things. Those are external things that I put into place that I want to help defend her. But in the end, those are, those are just extrinsic motivations, which 
don't last a lifetime. They can help protect you from developing an addiction because you're not going to come across it all the time and it's going to be easier to say no to. But in the end, all these kinds of things come from intrinsic motivation. And I absolutely concept of an internal filter from that standpoint. And for us as adults, what am I saying? I mean, this conversation is not just a conversation for children. It's definitely a conversation for adults. We're focusing here on children because it's very easy for us to all agree that kids shouldn't look at pornography. I also agree that adults shouldn't either, but I know that for a lot of people that becomes a whole different, a whole different topic. And I know that people have a lot of differing opinions on that. However, when it comes to whatever we're being motivated by intrinsically or extrinsically, and what are we wanting to develop inside of ourselves is a conversation that we can all look at and be intentional with. However, we decide to engage with the internet. Yeah, okay. absolutely. <laughs> so, okay. So can you tell us uh, a couple things. One, I would like to know from your, from your experience and your knowledge base, I would like to know what to do with, I mean, we have thousands and thousands of listeners from all different walks of life. And a lot of them have small children who have not experienced finding, you know, pornography on their tablets yet, um, or having their children come home with stories like you just shared. And, there are also a lot of parents within the sound of our voices who have had either their kids come home and tell them about it, or probably more often than not where they find it. Right. So my question for you is when that happens, what is your advice on how to react from a place that is not full of shame from a place that encourages them to share it with you in the future? What are your steps here? I love your steps. Can you tell <laughs> us what your steps are yeah. when you come across, when you hear something and it might scare you when you're, you find something that your kid's been looking at, or, you know, you hear it from, you know, I have a friend who just, it was her, they were over at a friend's house. And so her older daughter saw that the younger one was with a friend and the little friend was showing him some pornography. So, you know, the older daughter came home and told the mom. So you have it exposed in some way or the other, you just found out that your child has been either looking at pornography or engaging in whatever it is, sexting, you feel like somebody's been grooming them. Honestly, all these stories are in my mind. I have a friend who just, I mean, this guy was reaching out to her daughter, trying to ask for pictures. There's yes, change of stuff that can be happening. Many, but what, what are your steps for how to react in this, in these moments? Well, we have a guide on our website, defendyourminds.com. And you can go to the guides, books and guides page. Anyway, it, outlines it's, it's like an ebook and it outlines so much great information we have gathered from therapists and experts and just from you know our own like experience with parents and and giving them some advice about you know what they should do so we have what we call the smart plan and smart is an acronym and so the first s means stay calm So you're going to have emotions. (laughs) You're either going to be angry, afraid, fearful, you know, ashamed, um, whatever. You're going to have all these emotions. And it's really helpful if you can, um, it's really helpful if you can deal with your own emotions first before you go and confront your child and begin a discussion about this. Um, If you basically um, unleash all these emotions on your child, 
they won't be as open to talking to you about why they were looking for this or what happened. You know, you want them to feel safe and be able to share with you uh, what they were looking at, why they were looking at, what their interest was, all that stuff. So the first step is, you know, uh, to, you know, S, stay calm. And I know that sounds hard. So you can take 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. Really, uh, you don't actually have to go in and deal with it right then and there. Um, I had a friend who called me up one day, sobbing, couldn't even understand what she said. I finally just said, do you need me to come over? And I could understand that she said, yes. I got over to her house. She didn't even answer the door, but I could hear her crying. <laughs> so I opened the door, found her in her master bathroom, just sobbing. And we hugged and I'm like, what is going on? I'm thinking like her husband just told her he wanted a divorce or she just found out, you know, whatever. And she said that she had found pornography on the iPad that her 14 year old son was, um, you know, using. And she, her first impulse was she was going to go to the junior high where he was at or middle school, whatever, high school, go to school grab him out and say, what are you, you know, what have you been looking at? Why is this on the iPad? You know, all this stuff. Now I got her to calm down and to look at some resources. And then the next step is and make a plan. Stand with your husband, figure out your plan of action. Go into this being savvy, not with these raw emotions. And you can't really think very well when you're freaking out like that, mm -hmm. um, make a plan. What are the, what's the kind of information we want to get? How are we going to get it? What are the questions we're going to ask? And we actually list questions for you, uh, in the guide. And then, you know, a is, um, you know, help your child kind of assess their own feelings, uh, because pornography can create different feelings in a child. It can create a feeling of revulsion and attraction at the same time. So that's just another part of helping your child kind of deal with that, what they're, what they've been seeing and then, you know, talk to them regularly and train the whole family. And so we have more information on all of these things. Uh, but if I could just leave one big piece of advice is do not react in the moment that will just push it. If your child has been curious and they've been looking they're not a bad kid. They're a human kid. They're a biological kid, mm -hmm. right? This is normal actually. So we have to teach them to not look, but they don't know how, if you have not started this conversation, they don't know. Mm -hmm. And even if you have, we've got to be careful so that we remain open. We don't want to condone it, mm -hmm. but we don't also, we don't have to condemn our child. Yeah. We can say, we're going to work through this together. You know, there can be appropriate discipline. We have articles about discipline on our website. Um, we can do this, people. We can do this for our kids. They deserve it. Because if we don't, what are the consequences? If we don't, we are competing with the porn industry for the sexual templates of our children. That is what is at stake the sexual template. And what I mean by that is 
everything that they think and feel and believe about sex. If it's taught to them by the porn industry, it's going to be 180 degrees opposite of what you want for your child, which is a healthy, with a shot at a healthy sex life with someone they love and are committed to. So it's so important that we don't let the porn industry teach our child and, and rob them basically of a healthy sexual template. We need to take charge. We need to get in there and be proactive so that our child has a chance of growing up with a healthy view of sex and the purpose of sex. And they have a shot at having, you know, a healthy marriage Mm -hmm. relationships. That makes so much sense to me. And when you said this is normal, you were saying that the desire is normal. Curiosity. But we don't have to make the habit normal. Right? No, no, no. So this should makes- not be normal. That exactly. should not be normal. But it, you know, we should not be living in a society where all of this is available for kids but with a few taps on a on a on a device. Mm-hmm. We should not. No. That is wrong. It's bad. It's unhealthy but it's the reality. Mm-hmm. So we have to arm our children so that we can defend them and they can defend themselves with an internal filter, with values, with an understanding. And then they have a real choice to reject it and to protect themselves, defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the concept to me. Again, it's taking it from anytime we have a topic like this, where we have the, you know, we have the fear, we have the negative effects, and then we have the hopeful side of it. And to me, this part of the conversation is really hopeful for me because the whole point of all of this as us as adults and as for our children is that, yeah, we want, I love the focus on, we want healthy sexuality. That's what we all mm-hmm. want. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to learn that from something that's fake and that people are making toxic and billions of dollars off it. And I mean, that's not where we learn any healthy thing from, right? Right. Where things that are just fabricated and teach acts and that kind of stuff. I don't want that to be the arousal template for my kids. I want them. That's not loving. So I love it's hopeful. I love that that kind of shifts for me of I I'm going to be a worthy opponent to that (laughs) industry because I do, I want my children to have a healthy template to start with. And then as adults, and they actually obviously can take over from there, but I'm going to do everything in my power as a mother to make so that their template is as healthy as possible when they get to that age. Yeah. And that means that you have to start young. Now the books were written so that you don't have to talk about sex before that. You can read these books to your child. We'll never, never bring up sex. Um, But I would encourage you to talk to your children earlier rather than later uh, about sex, the, not just the mechanics of it, but the purpose of it and the values that you have around it and um, how it helps to bond to people that love each other. And, you know, there's so many good things we can teach them about sex in hope that that's what they'll find when they get older and ready to, you know, have that kind of a relationship. Mm-hmm. I actually have uh, two, two things that are coming up for me right now, as you're talking one, uh, your books <laughs> reminded me of, there was a time I, I had shared something on social media about pornography and how 
you know, I was, I was sharing it from some organization, maybe it was fight the new drug, um, that, you know, helps adults combat pornography and explain mm-hmm. why it's a damaging industry. And, um, but it was about how specifically this article was about how children who are exposed to pornography often show it to other children. And then you have this kind of child to child abuse, like you were explaining yep. earlier with that first experience you had. And so I, I, I posted an article about that. Well, I had a really good friend the next day come over to my house for something. And she was like, I read that article and I've decided that I am never going to let my, it was her grandson who's two who lived with them. I'm not going to let him watch when I change his baby sister's diaper. And I was like, Oh, hold on a second. (laughs) This isn't what we're talking about. So normalizing. So I'm just explaining this to our listeners here and you you can chime in as an expert here because I do want to just dispel. I think sometimes when we have these conversations, we all of a sudden start getting really paranoid about our bodies in general. And that's the last thing we want to do for our kids. So, um, so to her, I actually gave her your book because I was like, (laughs) here, this, this will explain it a little bit better, but the concept is that our bodies actually are nothing to be ashamed of. Like my naked body, I'm not ashamed of it. However, I don't share pictures of my naked body with other, I don't put them on the internet. Right. Right. The same thing with when I'm changing your little sister's diaper, there's nothing shameful about that at all. In fact, I actually think it's really healthy for them to see boys and girls have different anatomies and there's no shame around that at all. Right. When we're caring for each other, like changing a diaper, that's one kind of touch versus another kind. And so the last thing I wanted to do though, like when she, before she left, I was like, I, I need to make sure you're not leaving this conversation thinking that just in normal settings of care, because that actually is, I think where we, we become, we realize that our bodies are nothing to be ashamed of. Um, but I was like, actually afraid. Like I was like, I don't not want just a little bit of information about this to have people go into their own homes and be like, Oh my gosh, no diapers, no more, you know? <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's why your and, books are so helpful, but could you just right. make- just give us a minute, just explain a little bit about that too. Cause I do want to make sure everybody listening to this doesn't leave thinking that your own naked body is shameful or right. And we make that. sure we make sure that in both books, the message is, you know, your body, uh, nothing is wrong. In fact, I should probably just get it and read it, but your body is, there's nothing wrong about your body and even your private parts there's nothing wrong with them. Um, uh, it's just not good to show um, every part of your body is good, including your private parts, but taking pictures of them is not good. When people show pictures of private parts, they aren't private anymore. It's important to keep private parts private you know, for your safety. We reiterate that again in the book for older kids, Every part of your body is good. And it's just that taking pictures of your private parts and sharing them with others is not good and it's not safe. So um, that's just, it's so important that our children understand that. And we kind of nip the whole sexting in, in the bud. They understand some of the problems with that as they get older and and have devices that they can use. But it's amazing how there are so many people, uh, we call them sextortionists. You know, they are extorting children for compromising pictures of them. 
and they are very savvy. You are up against some bright people who know how to take advantage of children and make money. And they'll have teams of three. Well, somebody is really good at making an initial contact with a child that's online a lot. And hey, I'm your, you know, I'm a friend. Let's be friends, whatever. And then they'll switch it over to the second person who's really skilled at getting a picture of the child, getting the child to send a picture and more and more revealing pictures. And they send it over to the third person who is really good at extorting that child and threatening that child uh, and getting more and more, you know, sexual pictures from that child. And these extortion rings exist and they target children, children who are online a lot. So that is a risk factor. Kids that are online a lot, whether they're playing games or whatever, um, they're more at risk than kids that are, have more limited access to these devices, to the internet. So just uh, a word of caution there. It's another reason to, one of our, I mean, things we go back to over and over is screen time. It's another reason to create strong, healthy limits around screen time. Yes. And when I, I've talked to parents and it just seems like that's the the bane of their existence. You know, this like getting their kids off the screens. And I even, you know, when I was raising my kids, they had computers where they were playing games. And I would just, I learned that I had to kind of give them a 10 minute warning, then a five minute warning. And then, okay. And if you're going to be nasty about getting off, then uh, we're not going to be getting on that again. So they kind of knew that they're, the way that they got off uh, really influenced whether they could play again on that, that computer game. But kids are so, I mean, these game developers know how to um, take advantage, how to exploit the human brain and it's the dopamine cycle and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so you can't really blame children uh, for getting pulled in. You really do have to uh, be careful. And one of the things that we talk about in our brain defense digital safety curriculum, which is a wonderful program, we have a family editions and it's so super easy. It's like press and play, right? It's open and go. Mm-hmm. And it's taught by the brain gang and the brain gang are older teens And this program is for kids eight to 12, although I've heard of parents even showing it to their kindergartners um, and or teens, you know, it, 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 but we kind of focused on that eight to 12 because that's when kids are really not only getting exposed, but they're getting much more curious and kind of getting pulled into it. So check out brain defense, digital safety um, on our website and, you know, see if this could be something, a tool for you, because it's one thing for you to always be telling your kids that too much screen time is not good for you. But when their older peers also tell them that this actually isn't good for you, that you need to be having a balance with screen time and, and real, you know, in real lifetime with your friends and family, and you need to be very careful about choosing content and all of that. It's so nice that you have another basically set of kids coming into your home and teaching your child um, good, really good, healthy uh, digital defense skills and digital, you know, tech habits. Mm-hmm. So check out brain defense. It's, we work really hard on it and it is, it's just great. We have 
so many testimonials from parents and teachers who've used this. And it, it talks about screen time. It talks about how, you know, developing healthy habits and pornography and bullying and, you know, digital, how to become a good digital citizen. All of these things are covered. We made it super easy for parents and teachers to use. So yeah, check that out. And you will have uh, uh, an advocate uh, helping you convince your child uh, to, you know, limit their time on screens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love this because, um, you know, we've talked about on our podcast, how there's different ways that motivate us. And I am, if we, if we talk about four tendencies and one of them is a questioner, I'm a questioner. And so to me, to motivate myself, to do things, to make changes, to have difficult conversations that actually aren't difficult, but we just think they're going to be, um, all those things. I want information. Like you give me the information, you sell me on it. And I'm like, yes, I can do this. The thing I love about everything you just shared, Kristen, is to me, it just, it motivates me as a mother that there is nothing that would make these conversations not worth having. Like it's, it's only, only good. Absolutely. Our children. And if we don't have these conversations, we're just leaving our children exposed. So I love this because although some of the things are a little hard to hear and some of them, I mean, when you talk about predators and abuse, that's kind of scary. None of us want that, but I love it because the end feeling I have here is a feeling of empowerment that when we have these conversations, when we open up this dialogue with our children, we are not only giving them tools to keep themselves safe, but even more, well, maybe not more importantly, but to me equally as important is we're opening up this ability for our children to bring difficult things to us that we can, we can talk about hard things and we're still going to be there in a place of unconditional love. And we'll be able to work it through them together and we can be their advocate. So in having these conversations, when we show that, look, we can stay calm, we can stay calm in this yeah. conversation. Yeah. We're building this level of trust with our children that I think is just beautiful and will serve our relationship into their adulthood. So yeah, I love that's, that. yeah. You know, uh, Terrilyn, um, a mom told me her name was Sue and she told me about, she was very protective of her kids and like, she pretty much any kid, any family that that child played with, she pretty much like did a background check on them, you know, and, uh, but this new family moved in and she hadn't been able to really, you know, uh, figure out who they were. And, but they had a little boy that was the same age as her son and he came over and they wanted to go bike riding. So they were just going to go back to his house, grab his bike, and then come back down the cul-de-sac or down the road. And they were going to play together on their bikes. Well, she thought, okay, well, I haven't really checked these people out, but you know, what can it hurt? He's just going to go get the bike and come back. Okay. Go get the bike, come back. Well, they went, but for some reason they went inside the house where the teenage brothers were. And they said, Hey, come here. We want to show you something and exposed these little boys, like seven-year-old to pornography. <sighs> so, but she had read good pictures, bad pictures to her son. And she said, in a way, it was a beautiful thing because it worked exactly how we had planned. He came home. He told her she was able to comfort him. She was able to, you know, talk to him about it, his feelings. And also 
you know, in the book, um, we talk a lot about how to teach your child to deal with these, you know, these memories of pornography keep coming back at the front of their mind because they're so shocking. And the brain is designed to remember shocking things. Mm -hmm. So they keep coming back. So how do you deal with that? What do you do? And we explain that in the books, how to help children minimize those memories so that they don't bother them and tempt them to, you know, to tempt their curiosity. And so she talked to him about that and what they needed to do and helped him through all this. And she says, it's so strange because I feel that there's so much more trust now between us because we have talked about a hard thing and he does know I'm on his side. I'm here to help. And I'm courageous enough to talk about anything. Right. And that's such like, oh, parents, please, please, you know, be, have that courage to deal with these things with your child, because no child deserves to face the porn industry alone. Mm -hmm. And you got to be courageous so that they won't face it alone. Um, You'll be there. And, uh, you know, the brain gang can also be there for your child and to really teach that child, mentor that child, help that child uh, through some very difficult years. I mean, if you can get to age 18, Without a porn addiction, you are way ahead of the game. <laughs> and it's a gift. You're helping your It's child. a gift. It is a gift. Yes. Okay, so I have a question for you. I know you have these tools in your books and your website, but it's it's kind of tickling my brain. I feel like there are some parents who are going to be listening to this who maybe need this answer right now. And my question for you is, if you don't mind sharing, what is a tool you can tell your child when they are having those impulsive thoughts or honestly maybe I'm feeling this tickle because there's adults who need this and they're maybe not ready to actually read a book about it. But when you have the impulsive, maybe flashbacks, maybe intrusive thoughts or pictures, um, what, what tools do you recommend that somebody employs in the moment? Right. Well, we have, we have the can do plan for, you know, the, the book for the older kids, but we also explain this in the junior, uh, basically what you need to do is you need to rewire your child's uh, brain. So in, in your child's brain, as neurons, and they have these memories, they're holding these memories and they're flashing them. Um, and your child actually needs to be able to develop a new neural pathway away from that memory and to something that is just as exciting for them, uh, but healthy, right? Mm. So when I've had pornographic memories um, come to me, when I've been exposed uh, to things, I think of something that is exciting. And then when that memory pops up of pornography, I go to, I think about that exciting thing and do it over and over again. And it's a way to rewire the brain. And we explained it step-by-step in the books. Um, And it's really, really helpful for your child to learn it for porn, but all kinds of things, right? That we need to basically edit because we live in this incredibly visual world. And at some point you're going to be scrolling through uh, uh, 
social media feed or watching TV or anything, and something is going to come up that you don't want to remember. So how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. We teach that in good pictures, bad pictures. And uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's so worthwhile to have that skill. It's, mm-hmm. it's a cognitive skill. It's a digital defense skill mm-hmm. that everyone needs to learn. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, with any, when, as you're saying that with any compulsive thoughts. So what I hear you saying is recognize it, be present with it. Right. Cause just stuffing something away usually doesn't work very well. Be present, recognize it, and then have something to replace it with. So you're retraining your neural pathways. Right. Right. And we go into a little more detail on that in the books, but this is a skill that kids need. And it's a skill that is used for recovering addicts mm-hmm. as well. I like that. And I've had so many adults say, uh, first, I wish my parents had had this book. And then they say, um, I've had uh, therapists say that they use the book with their adult clients because it's just so simple. Mm-hmm. And that can do plan is really, really uh, helpful in going through and helping your brain deal, not only avoid it, but deal with the after effects once you are exposed to it. So we want to arm our children with all the amazing, the skills that they need, the the digital defense skills that they need to thrive in this world and we can do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm very hopeful. I've got so many stories of kids doing exactly what their parents asked them to do once they were educated and kids love feeling that you trust them with like important things. Um, I knew that the book would be popular among parents and grandparents, but I did not have any idea that kids would love it. And I've had so many kids write me and parents write me and say, this is their favorite book. We read it every night or whatever, you know, it's like, okay, I did not see that one coming, Mm -hmm. but kids love to be entrusted with important things they do. And we can begin to arm them from a young age so that they can defend themselves. And it's just the only way we, we can't cocoon them. Kids that are cocooned, um, even if we could, are not very strong, mm-hmm. right? Um, we planted some new trees and they basically said after one year, you know, we tied them down. So we had these poles and we looped, you know, and so that the, the, the tree was kind of protected from the wind. You know, it, it, was, it was supported, mm-hmm. but they said after a year, take those poles off, take, it needs to kind of learn to stand on its own and deal with the wind uh, on its own. And it's the same way with kids. Yes, we're going to provide those supports. We're going to provide those, you know, it filters, but at some point they're going to have to deal with this on their own, not on their own. Like for, uh, let me, let me say that again. They're going to have to make the decision themselves to reject pornography Mm -hmm. and, and they'll be blessed if they have you to help them deal with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at some point they're going to be in a situation when you're not there Mm -hmm. and they need to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you prepare them 
then the likelihood is that they will make the right decision. Mm-hmm. And that's what you can do as parents, right? You're giving them right. all the tools and then they get to make the decisions on their own. But Right. And that's all, all you can expect from, you know, being a parent, they're on their own journey and you are going to set them up as best as possible for the actual world that they're growing up in. Not the world you grew up in, not the world you wish they were growing up in, but the actual world that they're growing up in. And I know that they can thrive. I know that they can be prepared and make those good decisions. I've heard so many stories of kids doing this. And then I've heard stories of kids getting pulled in because they didn't have a clue because no one talked to them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's not let that be our kid. Um, and even if we've waited and our kid is a little older, we need to step up and say, I'm, I'm here with you. I'm, I'm going to, let's have these talks and this is my job. You know, when I was, my kids were growing up, sometimes I would say to them, okay, this is my job as a mother to tell you these things, right. Uh, to explain these things It's part of my job and your job is just to listen you know, mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes, you know, that's what we need to do. But um, even teenagers do love to know that their parents are there for them in a loving way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's never, never too late. No. Brene Brown actually has some beautiful things about that. Even when you have adult children going back and saying, you know, <laughs> I mean, in this situation, I freaked out about this. <laughs> that wasn't my best. <laughs> but I am here for you now. Can we open this conversation again? So yeah, that's beautiful. Okay. Well, Kristen, can you tell us, I mean, we know now about your website, defendyoungminds.com. We know about your books. We know about braindefense.org. Is there any other places where our listeners can come to learn more about you or get these tools for them and their family? Yeah. Well, you can, um, we have also, we have guides. We have also some free guides that you can download from our website. Um, so definitely check out the website, but you can find us on social media, a really thriving Instagram uh, and Facebook communities. We have a Facebook uh, group that you can join and ask all kinds of questions. We, it's really great because sometimes you don't want to put certain questions out, you know, uh, onto social media, but if you can be safe in a group and ask questions, and get answers. That has been a real uh, blessing to um, members of that group from our Facebook group. So yeah, find us on social media. We're on Twitter. We're even on Pinterest. Excellent. <laughs> so yeah. And yeah, I'll find the us links. there. I'll put the links to yeah. all of your accounts on our show notes so that people can yeah. click directly to you as well. Carolyn, we work so hard at trying to inform parents, keep them informed help them to parent their children so that they can thrive in the digital age so that they can be empowered, resilient, screen smart kids. And I would also invite your listeners to check out the articles. There are so many articles. We have experts, therapists, technical experts writing for us. Mm -hmm. And we share an abundance of information for free. Mm-hmm. And um, more and more, you're not seeing that people are going to subscriptions, people are, you know, but we fund all of this through the sales of brain defense and our books. And then we have this 
all of this great free information. So please subscribe to our newsletter. It just comes once a week. We're very careful about not spamming you. We only bring you things that we think will be really helpful for your family. And um, so I would, and we, we do these challenges that are just for our subscribers that are monthly challenges. Uh, we've last year, this past year, uh, we've covered how to talk to your kids about sex. Before we've talked to them how to raise resilient children mm-hmm. that are emotionally resilient. And this year we're going to talk about how to raise kids that are, um, that have good tech accountability, good tech, you know, practices and healthy tech habits. Um, and we're going to include a, a lot of experts in that too. So sign up and you'll get that exclusive content on defendyoungminds.com. Excellent. Okay. Well, you have given us so many wonderful resources and tools and, Empowered and resilient are both wonderful things that I think we all want our children to be. So thank you for Absolutely. spending so much of your own gifts and talents and time to develop this. And thank you for talking with us today about this important Thank topic. you, Kara. Thank you, Carolyn. It's been great. Okay. Let's find the magic. If you are looking for a great gift for yourself or somebody that you care about, consider getting them a Find the Magic journal. It is a journal that each of us use daily that helps us with questions in the morning that it asks you and that you do a little bit of journaling to help you focus on what's important for the day and really make steps each day towards your goals. And then it also has a section to plan out your day so that things don't slip away from you and there's even a section for you to reflect at the end of the day and I found that as I've used it it's been so powerful for me in really living my life in an intentional way so if you'd like a journal just go to findthemagic.co and click on the top link that says FTM journal. So again, that's findthemagic.co and just click on FTM journal. Thanks so much. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. (coughs) (laughs) Brown cows.